So this morning, we are continuing with the theme of walking in freedom, knowing freedom, growing in our freedom, and we're going to do that by talking about maturing in Christ. And we're going to end up talking about emotion, but we're going to look at these two things. We're talking about how mature, how we mature in our relationship, in our walk with God, maturing in the spirit of God, and then we're going to talk about maturing in our emotions, because I think those two should go hand in hand. As we grow closer to God, as we increase in intimacy, making our nature more like his, our emotions should be growing, healing, changing, and becoming more a reflection of his spirit. So these are our two focuses this morning. So let's get moving in this first section on maturing in Christ. And we're going to be looking at several scriptures today. This is the one we're going to focus on um, this beginning part. First John chapter 2. This is the Apostle John, and he is writing to a group of Christians to encourage them. He says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And in this passage here, it's easy just to think he's he's writing to actual age groups, right? So like, okay, anyone who's a kid who gets saved, we're going to talk about forgiveness. So in the kids' church, let's talk about forgiveness. Uh, if there's any young people, talk about overcoming the evil one. And for all the older people, you know, let's talk about, he's not talking about their age. He's talking about where they are in their spiritual walk. He's writing to a group of believers, and some of them are new. Some of them have been walking for a longer time. And so I find it interesting, the encouragement he gives to each one. So let's just talk for a moment about these different stages of your spiritual walk with God. So first, he talks to the little children, the new believers. These are the babies, the toddlers in the faith. And every one of us, if you're a believer, has started here. There's not one stage that's bad. It's the process of growth, just like in the natural. And so I love that he points out to you new believers because your sins have been forgiven. When you're first saved, God's forgiveness is a wonder. I mean, that is the most striking thing that just comes to your heart. When, that, when the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to that, that, look, Jesus Christ came, he died, he was your perfect sacrifice, so your sins are done. That Wow, what a wonder that is. What a thing. And that is what us new believers marvel at, his forgiveness. Now, the thing about babies and toddlers is there's very little they can do on their own, right? So when you're a new believer, you need a lot of support. And basically, everyone needs to be doing everything for you. Because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know the scriptures yet. You don't, probably don't know anything about Christianity unless you were raised in the Christian home, which still doesn't really mean you might, you really know about Christianity. So everything is new and needs a lot of support. And in this time, God is just absolutely doting on you. He's pouring out his love. He's pouring out his affection. He's just saying, I love you, daughter, son. Welcome to the family. It's a good time. It's a good season. You, you go on your first encounter and you're like, wow, you're feeling it. You're feeling his presence everywhere. And that's a good season, but eventually, if you continue walking with God, you got to keep growing, right? We can't stay in the baby, infant, new believer stage forever. And so then he addresses the young men. These are the teens. This is the adolescent years of your walk with Christ. And what, probably more than anything else, what marks a teen 
is battle, right? Everything is a battle when you're a teenager. You're battling your parents because you want to be more independent, but you're still very dependent and living in their house. You're battling your peers. You're battling your own desires that are just kind of bubbling forth. It's, it's the battle years. And so this is true with our faith. This is when you learn, I got to pick up the word of God. I got to start learning it and I got to start battling. This is what Dr. Crystal was preaching on last week. I got to know the word. I got to trust his word. I got to take captive every thought. I have to know how to get through the spiritual battles that are coming because I, I'm not, I can't stay the baby stage forever. Because in the natural, when you become a teen, at, well, whatever age, it might be different for each one of us, but there was a day you woke up and you were like, where are my jeans? Where are my clean clothes? I start school in 45 minutes. Mom, Dad, whoever did the laundry in your home, like, where are my clothes? And your parents say, oh, good, we've been meaning to talk about that. It's time for you to start doing your own laundry. So if you want clean clothes, you got to start washing it, right? Your mom and dad start to back off, and they start to say, okay, time to grow up. You start doing your laundry now. I'm done, I'm done being the family laundromat. You, everyone's old enough now. Let's get on board. And oh, while we're on the subject, you can make your own lunch now too. <laughs> what? I used to just come down. My clothes were clean. You know, in my room, back in my drawer, I'd grab my lunch off the table and be like, bye not anymore. Like, you know where all the food is. You put together your own lunch. You're old enough now. It's time to start growing up. And we see that in our faith. It's time to start fighting battles. You might not always feel God's presence. And what you learn in the the adolescent stage of your faith is to not be shaken when a battle comes, to not be shaken when I don't feel God's presence doting on me. I got to learn how to battle. And I got to learn how to trust his word in those times, when you're a baby Christian and God's just pouring out his love on you, it's just everything, it's just like, psh, psh, your mind is exploding to all these new truths. Man, when I was in that stage, I would just be like, God, I need a word and you're gonna speak to me and whatever I read, who, who, who knows what I'm about to do because you did it too. You'd be like, this is the word, this is the word I need to hear. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Tears, journal for hours. That's exactly what I needed to hear. That's it. Thank you, God. Praise you. Okay, but you, that, key, that, unlast, that baby stage, that honeymoon stage doesn't last forever, right? If I'm still doing that in the teen years, you know, in, in my faith, one of these days I went to open it. And I'm like, Lord, this is your word. Again, whatever you say. Woe to you, you sinner. I will spit you out. I don't think I should study this way anymore, right? And then suddenly I decided, that's not a good way. I don't think that's the only way. You got to start to study. You got to start to know what his word says. Be able to battle in those teen years. It's a good time. And And it's only when you have learned to do that and you've seen victory in that battle that you get to mature, that you go on to more maturity in Christ, in your relationship with Christ. Paul talks about... Uh, being infants in First Corinthians. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for it yet. And indeed, you still aren't ready. So he went to them with a little bit more, thinking they were ready for some more. And he's like, well, 
You're still infants in your faith. You still can only handle milk. And so the, the adolescent years of your faith are important to learn how to battle, to believe what God says to be true about you, to overcome the evil men. One, to start to be able to take a stand in that fight. All right, and lastly, then he addresses, not in that order, but he addresses the fathers. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And when you've meditated on the forgiveness of God as a new Christian, you've gotten the revelation, and then you've spent time in adolescent years, and you've battled, and you've seen God's word come through, you've seen him follow through, despite if you felt him or not, then you, you reach a maturity level in Christ, where you get to the point where you know him who is from the beginning. I know that I know that I know that I know. What his word says about me is true, that his word stands. If I don't feel it, if I don't see it, if I don't think my life looks like it's a conduit of blessing, that does not make me question. If God cares for me, if I'm inside or outside his will, I know that I know that I know. And you can only get there to that confidence in Christ, that maturity in Christ, when you've gone through the battles and you've gone through that walking with God. And I, something that I hear often, if you've said this to me recently, this is not me picking on you, I hear it a lot. Okay, so if you've said it, know that I've heard it from many people. It's a common thing, I've said it. But I've had conversations often where people come, they say, I just don't feel God's presence like I used to. I just, it's just, I'm something's off. I don't know if I'm going to keep coming to church. I don't know if I'm going to keep going to small group because I just don't feel it. And that's not a sinful thing, but you know what it tells me? It's that you're not maturing. You're still in the infant stage. You're still in the stage where it's like, I just want to have all the feels. And if I don't have the feels, then it makes me question, does God care about me? Is he still there? Am I still on, you know, in his will? So it's, we have to grow up in that. A good example of a man who knew him who was from the beginning. That, that little verse right there is actually him quoting himself. In the, he starts the letter in 1 John, and he says, to, the, to him who has known from the beginning that we have touched with our hands, seen with our eyes, heard with our own ears, that you have that kind of confidence that the early church and the disciples had who actually walked with him. And you see this in another example in, in Job in the Old Testament who was before the cross, did not get to walk with Jesus, but he knew that he knew that he knew, if you know the story of Job. He was a righteous man who honored God, who loved God, he had, had everything, you know, wealth, a family, great prosperity. And one day it was all taken from him. His children died. His, his, um, his livestock died. His job, you know, he lost his job. He lost all wealth. He lost his health. He was covered in terrible sores. And at his friends around him, and even his wife tried to come to him and be like, look, something must be off. Maybe you've sinned. Maybe you're outside the will of God. Maybe you, and I don't think they were evil people. I think they were well-meaning, but they were not as spiritually mature as Job. Because what does Job say back to his friends? I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I not another, how my heart yearns within me. That's that you know that you know that you know. Even when you don't feel it, you don't see it, you have that confidence, that assurance that comes from battling 
and knowing and overcoming the enemy and overcoming your flesh and winning the battle in your mind. And so before we switch to our second half here, to our second point, it could be a natural question to ask, well, why can't we just stay in the little kid phase? Why can't we stay in the new believer phase? Because that one sounded sweet. You know, that sounds like the best one. You know, Poppy up there is just giving us everything. He's doing everything for me. He's doting on me. Why can't I just, why can't we just stay the little kids? Well, in Genesis, we see when he created the earth and he created um, Adam and Eve and mankind, and he said, let us give them dominion. Let them rule and reign on this earth. And I don't know about you, but I am not leaving the keys to my house to my five-year-old for the weekend. That's trouble. That's trouble. You don't give the keys to the, the, the house. I, we're, 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 some, we're vacationing for this summer. You stay and watch it all. Uh-uh, I'm not even doing that with certain teenagers. Not going to happen. And so if we are on this earth to, to make God's will happen here, to be his representative, to be his hands and feet, we need to be mature mothers and fathers. Not children in our faith. Not teenagers in our faith. Fathers and mothers. Okay, so now let's, in saying that, in, in talking about our maturing in Christ, number two, we also need to mature in our emotions. Because if we are growing in Christ, that area will be growing too. And emotions are an indicator of how healthy your soul and spirit are. And so they are essentially like the smoke detector. They are a good way for us to know something is going on in your spirit that's not right, that's not healed, that hasn't grown, if, if an emotion is out of control. So if a smoke detector starts going off in your house... I said this in the first service, and they all laughed at me because they do this the wrong way. But if a smoke detector goes off in your house, you do not take a hammer and smash it, right? That's where they all get laughed because they're like, yes, we do. We just take the batteries out. You don't want to do that. That's dangerous. If you saw smoke and the smoke detector's going off, then you don't take a hammer just to, like, get rid of the sensor, right? Because there is smoke. There is a fire burning. The sensor tells me something is wrong. And in the same way, if your smoke detector's going off because there is smoke, you also don't just say, like, well, get used to it. You know, it's like, rain, rain, rain. Well, it's okay. You don't even hear it after a while. You know, your friends come over and you're like, this is a nut house, right? You don't do that. The, the alarm tells you so, there's a fire somewhere. Find it or get out, right? Okay, so our emotions are very similar to to that, and they can be indicators to us. So before I put that up there, when I'm talking about emotion today, I'm not talking about the healthy, you know, balance of emotions we're supposed to feel. I'm going to be using a word or a phrase called a stronghold of emotion, and that's a very Christianese term, okay? And what I mean by a stronghold of emotion is that it is out of balance, it is out of proportion, or it should not, you know, exist at all in the life of a believer. So it's kind of like, it's not exactly comparable, but it's kind of like if you say someone has an addiction, right? So if you get, if you drink too much, if someone drinks too much one weekend, you know, just because it got away from them or they didn't have anything in their stomach, you wouldn't say they're an addict, right? You're just like, okay, that, that drink got away from him one time. But if someone gets drunk every time, has to have a drink every night, okay, then that person now is, is verging on, is borderline on going to addiction. And so when I'm talking about our emotions today and I say emotional stronghold, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a bad day. 
okay? Everyone has a bad day. I'm also not talking about physiological things when hormones are out of balance, and so that's going to make you feel like your emotions are out of whack. I'm talking about when your emotions, when there's emotion out of control. So you're not just angry. You're smashing the face in or screaming, you know, making someone's ears bleed with your rage. You are not just like, oh, I'm kind of uncomfortable here because it's a new situation. You're so insecure. You cannot move forward. You can't let go of a friend. You can't. So that's what I'm referencing. When emotions are out of control, when jealousy, comparison, depression, things that are ruling your life. That's what I mean when I'm talking about a stronghold of emotion this morning. And I'm going to put a statement up here that might kind of rub you the wrong way, but give me a moment to explain what I mean. Hear me out. And that statement is that all emotional strongholds are a result of sin. Okay, let me flesh this out a little bit. Let me unpack it before you think I'm just heaping guilt on you. <clears throat> All emotional struggles are sin. That could be an effect of your sin, a sinful choice you're making that you know the Bible has said don't do this. could be the result of someone else's sin or an environment, an atmosphere of sin. And I'll explain what that third one means with some scriptures quickly. But So let's say that I'm... I know as a Christian, I'm a believer, and I know God has told me I need to forgive this person who slighted me or whatever, and I'm refusing to forgive, and I'm just meditating on how much that person screwed me over, and I'm just letting bitterness kind of build in my heart and rage. I'm just like, I will not forgive him. I know God has told me I will not, I will not. And so rage is building, bitterness is building. Okay, when I lash out in anger, that, that's a result of my sin, right? I am choosing to not forgive, which is sinful. Then you have other things, like let's take depression. If you wrestle with depression, it's a cloud that's always been over your head. Let's say you experienced child abuse. You experienced um, a father abandoning you, some trauma from your childhood, sexual abuse that has caused you to wrestle with depression because that, that, that trauma altered your emotions. That, you are not wrestling with depression because you are sin. That's someone else's sin, right? Someone else's sin, though, has still affected you. And it's something that you're wrestling through now, maybe for your whole entire life. But it was a result of sin, not yours, but theirs. And then what I mean by an atmosphere of sin, I'm just going to quickly look at Genesis. Um, this is in the garden when God made Adam and Eve. He said, here's paradise. You're going to have dominion over the earth. You're going to reign. But here's a choice because I don't want to make you a robot. You know, I want you to have a choice to love and, and, and serve and walk with me. But if you want to have all knowledge and go your own way, you can. And, of course, Adam and Eve or Eve chose to sin. And so here we pick up. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed thick leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And so here we have, coming into mankind, fear and shame. It's a result of sin. 
Okay, so when I say all emotional strongholds are a result of sin, this is the main fruit of that. And then also it can be our sinful choices or someone else's sinful choices. And you continue through Genesis and you see emotions and things that we wrestle through come into the world because of sin. Here we have Cain and Abel in, in the next chapter. And it says, in the process, it came time to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So we see anger now enter the scene, depression, his countenance fell. What does that mean when your face falls? That's depression. Then we see that that turned into jealousy. Well, he always likes him. And then eventually he murders his brother. And so from there we see... Emotions that get out of balance or just emotions and issues and strongholds we were never supposed to wrestle with. But now we have them, right? Because sin is in the world. So that's what I mean when all emotional strongholds are results of sin. I certainly don't mean if you wake up, if you've wrestled with depression your whole life because of a childhood trauma and, you know, you had a good week and then you wake up one morning and you feel down, you feel that cloud. I certainly don't mean that you've got to search and be like, oh, what sin did I commit yesterday because now I have depression. That's not what I mean when I say there's differences there of of what kind of sin has caused different emotional strongholds. So let's continue. Emotional strongholds hold you hostage. So again, I'm not just speaking about a bad day. I'm not speaking um, just an off one or two. I mean emotions that are that are affecting your relationships that you are out of control with. And so I'm going to give you two smoke detector signs. These are very general. These are very broad. I'm going to give you two of the smoke detector signals, signs, that you might have an emotional stronghold. You might have an area in your life that you're like, you know what, this needs to mature. This needs healing. This needs growth as I mature in Christ. So the first one is when your emotions aren't mentionable. And this is actually a... Uh, an example we use at our lovely conference. So if you have a daughter who went to this, she saw this very example of how to describe emotion. But emotions, they're not bad, right? Not all of them. We were made to have emotions. So imagine that emotions are the marbles inside this jar. This example is very loud because the mic's right here, so I'm just warning you. So when you go through life and you experience emotions, these marbles, your emotions, jiggle around inside, right? And, and that's how you know your life. That's how you experience love, happiness, joy, the good kind of fear, right? Some fear is good. If we didn't have any fear, we'd be like, I'm going to jump off this mountain, you know, an end of life. No one would make it past the age of 16 if you didn't have a healthy amount of fear. So emotions are not bad. Emotions are good. And you want them wiggling all around, right, inside, inside of you. So one way you know you have an emotional stronghold is when your emotions aren't mentionable. That means you don't talk about them. And that's like having your emotions glued down. And so 
you can't talk about how you feel. You can't even really process how you feel because you have spent your life suppressing those things down. And so in a more clinical sense, you would use the word suppression or repression, okay? Suppression's when you're choosing to be like, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not thinking about that. I don't like how that makes me feel. It's too painful. So I'm just not gonna think about it, right? Because that feels a little healthier than you know having emotions that feel out of control. And so you just suppress and repress. And repression is when the thing that happened to you is so painful, you don't even remember it. Your mind shoves that memory down. It's usually from something young in your childhood that's so painful that if you thought about and realized what was happening to you, it would just fracture your personality. And so the body has a way of protecting itself and it just represses that memory. And it's like, nope, don't even think about that because you've got to survive. And so you've got suppression and repression and it just pushes those feelings down. But the problem with this, and the reason why this is an emotional stronghold, it's not healthy, it's not how we are to walk in freedom, is because you can't control which emotions to freeze, right? So when I'm just trying to suppress the things that like make me feel out of control, make me feel insecure, make me feel super sad because I haven't you know, processed things from my childhood, guess what's getting frozen along with it? The good feelings, the joy, the happiness. Feeling, being able to feel love from people. And you can't, it just all becomes glued down in them. And I've talked to so many young women, and they're just like, I don't have friends, and I don't, nobody cares about me in this church. Or, <clears throat> you know, and I'm like, how can you say that you're surrounded by people? You do, and as we kind of d- dig deeper, as we pull that thread, each one of them has had an issue talking about emotions, expressing emotions, and they cannot connect with other people because it is so glued down. And you will have difficulty. You will not be able to connect with your spouse, with your children, with your friends in the way that you ought to, in the way that God has called us to walk in freedom if your way of dealing with emotions is to suppress it. When you can't, when your emotions aren't mentionable. I don't talk about it. It's not worth talking about. Okay, so that's one, that's one sign, that's one fire alarm sign that you have an emotional stronghold that you need God's healing in. You need that maturity that comes with walking with Christ to flesh that out. The second thing, and the last thing that we're ending on, is when your emotions aren't manageable. So this is kind of the other end of the, the spectrum, which is, okay, I have feelings, I know I have feelings, I know I have issues, and when I feel them... Everybody's going to feel them <laughs> because I don't know how to feel them in a way that's like, let's talk this through. You know, when you talk like that to me and at, at work or in front of my peers, it makes me feel disrespected. We need to talk about that. Or, you know, when you overspent in this budget, makes me not trust you. But being able to talk about real issues, hey, I was really hurt, it really pissed me off that you didn't keep your word. But not being able to talk through in a healthy way like that. This is when, when I feel something, oh, it's everywhere, and I can't manage it. It takes control. I'm like a crazy person when I feel insecure, when I feel out of control, when I feel powerless, when I feel disrespected. And so when those moments happen, when I'm angry, my emotions spill over. And I don't have time. We could spend the whole summer really diving into emotion, right? And taking each one. Okay, this is how anger becomes a stronghold. This is how, uh, you know, fear becomes a stronghold. This is, these are depression, anxiety, all that. We, I don't have time to do that today. So my challenge to you, my request to you is that this week, 
ask the Holy Spirit, is there an emotional stronghold in my life? Is it that I can't talk about and I've just never opened up that door? Is it that I'm out of control in a specific area in my emotion? What, and you know what? You can ask your, your spouse. You can ask your closest friends. You can ask your mentor, your pastors. If you have older children, you can ask your children. Who's going to know better than them if you fall into a pattern? Again, we're not talking about a bad day, you know. But say, hey, is there anything I do that makes you feel disconnected to me, that makes you feel scared, that you, you know. Ask your kids. They'll be honest. So I'm going to end with a story. And that is when I was a child, I don't remember exactly how old, I was probably, I don't know, between 8 and 10, I went over to my best friend's house and we would, you know, spend the night at each other's houses. And one night we were home and we were in her mom, her and I were in her mom's room just chatting on her bed, telling the story. I was talking about something that had happened that week. And her dad came home and he came in the room and he grabbed a lamp that was in the corner and he threw it on the ground. And didn't say anything. And I, never having seen any emotion process like that, was clueless. I had no idea. I didn't even realize that that meant he was mad. So I just looked at him like, ha that was funny. And I said, well, anyways, and I kept talking. I just, it didn't even register. I'd never seen anything like that. So I kept telling my story. <laughs> and he came to move next to us on the bed and grabbed another lamp and smashed it on the floor. And so at this point, her mom said, girls, I think you need to give us a second. And so can you clear the room? And so as we got up to leave the room, he lunged for her and he grabbed her. And he grabbed her arm and she screamed and he threw her on the floor. And so now my friend is screaming, afraid, screaming at her dad to stop, but then wanting to help her mom. And she's screaming at us, girls, get out of the room. Go, go hide in a room. So I'm grabbing my friend by the arm, trying to drag her out of the room. And we're screaming, I'm screaming, where's the phone? Where's the phone? This is before cell phones. And so we grab the landline and her bedroom was upstairs. And so we're I'm trying to drag her up the stairs as she's screaming, watching her dad beat up her mom. And so we stood at the top of the stairs for just a moment to see what was happening as she was screaming and we see her dad throwing furniture all across the room, trying to hit her as her mom is screaming to please stop. And so we close the door and we lock it and we call the police. And I don't know how much time passed before they, the police got there, but they came, he calmed down, he went outside and the moment was over. And I don't know what his, what her mom had done, if she had done anything, maybe she did nothing, maybe she did something that was egregious, that was wrong, that was, that, that was inappropriate. But the point is, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what she had or hadn't done because he, in that moment, this was his emotions, this is what he did. Because he couldn't control his anger or whatever was underneath that anger. It didn't matter what guilty party she had. That moment ruined the rest of my friend's life. That was it. The marriage was over. She hardly saw him again. Chapter done. Book thrown away. And it didn't matter that he came back inside and was like, hey, I'm really sorry. I was just kind of mad and tried to pick up the pieces of what he had just spilled all over the house. It was too late. It's too late for that. 
because her life was ruined. That, that moment is gone. There's no getting that moment back. And so my question to you today and this week is, is there a moment, is there an emotional stronghold that's like when you're in that zone, it's like nothing else matters. Maybe yours is an anger. Maybe it's that you, you have to call uh, your spouse's phone 16 times when they're an hour late because you're so panicked and your mind is out of control. Maybe it's that you hook up with a guy or girl because you just want to feel good about yourself after something happens and you feel insecure. And so your go-to is just to go sleep with somebody. It's an emotional stronghold, that insecurity. Maybe you regret screaming, I hate you, to my parents and punching a hole in the wall because I don't know why I said I hate you. I don't hate you, but I just hate following these rules. I'm ready to start my life. Maybe you keep losing friendships because you keep choosing men over the friends you've had for years, men that will dump you six months later because there's just something in me that feels so good to get that attention. It's just a gaping hole inside. So let's stand together and I want to pray with you. Or maybe you're on the other end but you're just like, look, I've just been shoving stuff down so long. I don't even know how to have that conversation. I don't even know how to talk about it. When you're in an argument, serious conversation, I don't know why I get sarcastic. Growing in Christ, maturing in Christ means our emotions growing and maturing and getting healed. So let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would show us, that you would help us be honest with ourselves of areas where we have emotional strongholds, emotions that aren't healthy, whether it came most likely from childhood, from, from some event, from sin. Holy Spirit, we need you to heal us. And I ask this week as we, as we move forward, as we talk to our pastors, our mentors, our spouses, our close friends, that you would help us find the root, God, the root of these emotional traumas, the root of these emotional strongholds. This is a moment that I think some of you have to respond because you are the glued, <clears throat> you're the glued down jar. And uh, there's stuff that you cannot move on from. And the only time that really you, you feel something is when you're in a current event that brings up emotions from the past. How do you know it's bringing up emotions from the past? because your response is disproportionate to the current event. Does that make sense? So when you blow up or you feel anger or you feel such deep depression, it's because someone said something to you this week or something, but your response is so disproportionate to what's going on right now, it can't be about what's going on right now. Does that make sense? So therefore, it's... 100% connected to whatever has been created in your life from your past. 
And so some of you feel in this moment right now, and I want to, I want you to take a step to ask God to unglue the jar. The lid's not off, right? But the glue is inside and it's stopping anything from moving. And so I want to give you a moment to step forward and say, today I'm giving God the permission to shift something inside of me, to shift something that allows me to feel something, but not out of control feel something. Does that make sense? It's the out of control thing that we hate. We absolutely hate, so we have to glue that stuff down. But God has to shift that stuff, because if it doesn't shift, then the good stuff can't come to the surface, and then the bad stuff can't come to the surface, and then he can't skim it off. The word says that, that God discerns between the soul and the spirit. He is able to split between the two things. He's able to finitely and minutely split between the bad and the good within us. So I'm asking you now to come forward in a step of faith, not saying you have to come up and blubber and like that. That's not what it's about. It's a step of faith saying, God, I'm giving you permission to shift whatever's inside of me because the junk that comes up or the stuff that I keep suppressing, I can't live that way anymore. 20 years old, I'm able to kind of try and control things. 30 years old, I think I'm in control. At 40 years old, I'm having a midlife crisis. By the time I'm 50 or 60, maybe I'm willing to admit there might be something up. I don't want to wait till I'm 50 or 60. I don't know about you guys. So why don't you, why don't you take a step forward? Any of you that's got, you feel the moment right now. You know it. You know something's got to shift within me. There's got to be a shift. There's got to be a change here. And if I've got to go through the feeling moment, the feeling emotion, I've got to feel that junk again, then I'm willing to do it. I know I, I don't really want to do it, but if I have to do it, I'll do it because I can't be this, this way anymore. I can't wrestle this anymore. Come on, come on, come on. Let's move in, 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 let's move in. Press into God, press into God right now. In the name of Jesus, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to be where you are right now. I want you to see what it is that God is trying to show you in your heart. What did you feel when the marbles were dropped? What did you see? Where were you? Who were you? What age were you? Are you still that seven or eight year old that has still been abandoned by their father or being grabbed or yanked by the arm? Or you've been, you've, you're, you're still that 25 year old that was abandoned by your husband or your, or your wife. You're the one who's actually gone through something where it just broke your heart and you still haven't gone through the entire season of mourning that has not been completed. And there is no shortcut to mourning. There's no short way to do it. There's no speeding it up. You have to go through that season. You've got to go through that time. I didn't have this. I didn't get that. I wasn't, I wasn't accepted in this way. Listen, Adam and Eve were rejected because of what they were. Even God had to reject them. They had to go through rejection. They had to feel that emotion. I want you to feel it right now in the name of Jesus. Feel it right now. Feel it right now. Where are you? Who are you? Tell God who you are. Tell God who you are. For me, I was a 27 year old when my father died and I didn't, never had ever felt so much rejection in all my life because my dad wasn't there anymore. How can I be in a 27-year-old body and feel like a 10-year-old kid that was abandoned? Because we were never designed for that rejection. 
But you've got to feel those emotions now. Feel them now. Who are you? Who are you? Now I want you to see a door opening. I want you to see that God has knocked on the door and he's telling you, I'm coming in. (laughs) I'm coming in. Because this season is done. I'm now going to be the dad who's walking in and I'm going, son, we're moving on. Daughter, this is it. This is it. We got to cut that off. Yep, I know you don't know how to walk the rest of the way, but I'm the one who does and I sent my son to show you how to walk and I'm going to show you how to do it. We're going to walk the rest of the way. I want you to receive that. I want you to receive the trust of the father once again. You're going to walk the rest of the way. You're not going to run. You're not going to get past it. You're not going to be over this and it's all be done. And you're going to do it in a fast food sense of style. No, this is a new season for you. This is a new way to walk. You're going to learn how to navigate these mountains, how to navigate this new landscape. So you can start accessing the joy of the Spirit within yourself. May the joy of the Lord rise up within you. May it start to take root and start to birth within you. I now want you to take a moment and ask God, what word do you want to speak to me today? What word do you want me to speak, be spoken to today? What word am I meant to hear? Hear the word of the Lord right now. What word is being spoken to you right now? What's the word? What's the word that goes against everything that you just felt in your past? What is that word? For some of you, it's that you'll no longer be poor ever again. You'll no longer be in lack. For some of you, it's peace be still. For some of you, it's that you'll no longer lie alone again. For some of you, it's today you're a man. You're no longer a child. What is the word God is speaking to you in your heart right now? I want you to hear it. Take a moment. Hear it in the name of Jesus. Jesus.